Radio Daily for Not Monday. Which is a very, 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 very good thing. I, was, I almost went very, very, very fine house just because once you start saying that, you kind of want to say it that way. Mm, a little bit. It's kind of crazy. It doesn't make the slightest bit of sense at all. What are you going to do? Hi, everybody. By the way, we're the fine folks from Geek Radio Daily. Ah. Welcome to you to August 23rd, which is um, National Buttered Corn Day. Ooh. Or as I call it, corn. Because that's the only goddamn way corn should be, is butter. Yeah. Folks, bringing it to you today, the man there that has standards. That's podcasting for Sigfrid. Well, I'm off to astonish the world with more feats of adequatacism. And me, I'm the wonderful Billy Flynn. Not everybody can play the hero, especially when it comes to pulling a trigger. Especially, especially, yeah. What happened this fine day, sir? In 1609, Galileo, Galileo. Galilee first demonstrates his telescope. 1889, the first ship to shore wireless message received in the U.S. is received. 1956, Bell Laboratories announces their experiment with a picture phone transmission that sends pictures along with sound over regular telephone lines. In 1956. No one's ever going to want to do that. 1962, the first live television connection between the United States and Europe happens via the Telestar satellite. 1966, the robotic lunar orbiter 1 spacecraft takes the first photograph of Earth from orbit around the moon. 1977, Brian Allen, not Byron Allen, becomes the first pilot to make a human-powered flight over a distance of a mile, winning the premier prize. He accomplishes the feat in the pedal-operated Gossamer Condor in Shafter, California. None of those words sound real. 1985, Atlantic releases the comedy film Teen Wolf, directed by Rod Daniel and starring Michael J. Fox. Shame we never got a TV series. What? The Saturday morning cartoon was awesome. Same day, same year, That's the true. science fiction monster movie, The Return of Godzilla. Godzilla returns for the first time in many years to demolish Tokyo, but things have changed. The buildings are now taller than he is, and the humans have developed an attack jet called Super X. And, you know, Raymond Burr came back. 1988, seven strangers hide in a farmhouse as the bodies of the recently dead reactivate and attempt to eat them. 1990, Universal Pictures releases the comic book film Dark Man. Directed, co-written by Sam Raimi. Because he couldn't get the rights to The Shadow or Batman, he's like, screw it! I'll make my own guy, and we really deserve a true sequel. Nothing personal, Arnold Vosloh. Very true. 1993, cartoonist Gary B. Trudeau, the creator of the popular Doonesbury comics, publishes a week-long series of comic strips satirizing the technological shortcomings of Apple Computer's Newton PDA, particularly the message pad. Trudeau will later claim that the comics weren't intended to be a review, only satire on the topics of guys and their toys. 1995, New Line Cinema releases the sci-fi horror film The Island of Dr. Moreau, directed by John Frankenheimer and starring Marlon Brando in some very odd costume choices, Val Kilmer and Ron Perlman. 1997, Nolan Bushnell hosts a 20-year celebration of the debut of the Atari 2600 at his home. <laughs> 2000, the BattleBots television series begins running on Comedy Central. It'll run for 13 weeks with reruns twice every Saturday. 2000, an earthquake measuring 9.6 on the Richter scale hits LA at 1259. Much of the city is separated from the mainland wonder if anybody was able to escape from L.A. 2002, New Line Cinema releases the sci-fi film Simone, directed by Andrew Nicole, starring Al Pacino, Catherine Keener, and Rachel Roberts. A disillusioned producer is forced to think fast when his star walks off, so he creates a 
digital actress Sim One Simone. Huh? They're clever. Like that could ever happen. Oh my God, did you see Orphan First Kill? 2005 astronaut wings are presented to retired NASA pilot William H. Dana and to the family of deceased pilots Joseph A. Walker, who was the first person to enter space twice, and John B. McKay. 2006, Scott Kahn, Secret Service agent Thomas Barnes, takes a bullet for his boss, the U.S. President Ashton, uh, from a certain vantage point. Birthdays? Ray Park is 48. Toad in X-Men, Snake Eyes and G.I. Joe, but we know him and love him as Darth Maul. Jay Moore is 52 from Jerry Maguire, Gary Unmarried, Ghost Whisperer. And lots of funny stuff, because he is a humorous individual. He had a TV show called Dragon, where he was an agent. Or, no, Action. Action. His character name was Peter Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, Action was really good. I like that. And uh, I don't know if he still does his podcast, but he has a good one. He's still doing stand-up. Chris Potter is 62 from Kung Fu. The legend continues. Oh, that's right. Wasn't he like Kwajin Kane's son or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, wow. Uh, Gambit in the 95 X-Men cartoon. Really? Rick Rick Springfield is 73 from the original Battlestar Galactica. And of course was Nick Knight, the pilot episode for what became Forever Knight. Would they really? Yep. I can't imagine Rick Springfield. Shelly Long is 73 from Losing It. Night Shift, Cheers, Troop Beverly Hills, Reversal of Fortune, Don't Tell Her It's Me, and of course, I loved her in the Brady Bunch movie. And of course, her name became known in Roller Derby as when you do a reversal of fortune, switching out your power jam, and that's a Shelley Long. Richard Sanders is 82, that's less on WKRP, Men of Honor, Bernard in the game Day of the Tentacle. Mark Russell is 90, he's comedian and singer. Barbara Eden is 91 from Harper Valley PTA, wow. and of course... I dream of Jeannie. Born to stay no longer with us in 1890, Harry Frank Guggenheim, an American businessman and publisher, co-founded Newsday. 1912, Gene Kelly, an American actor, singer, and dancer, singing in the rain, anchors away, Xanadu. 1922, Gene Darling from Our Gang, Little Rascals, Laurel and Hardy's version of Babes in Toyland. And 1970, River Phoenix, Stand By Me, The Mosquito Coast, A Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon, Sneakers gone too soon was supposed to be the interviewer in interview with a vampire oh he was also a young indie wasn't he he was oh yeah cbs we've got a rerun of fbi fbi international fbi most wanted in the third movie because sean patrick flannery was young indie yeah and then there was even younger yeah no one knows that kid abc's got cinderella the reunion a special edition of 2020 followed by the wonderful world of disney rogers and hammerstein cinderella we're going to find out that baby Indy, youngster Indy, was actually Gary Oldman. Oh, my He's God. that damn good. Oh, my God. A- NBC qualifiers three on a new America's Got Talent. J.B. Smooth and Jimmy Fallon on a new Fox, so you think you can dance as a rerun as well as Fantasy Island? Fox, you just did that one. CW, even as Leonardo's success and reputation continues to grow, Risky Choice threatens to destroy everything he's worked to accomplish. Leonardo receives support from an unlikely ally, but pays the price for past actions on a new Leonardo. No devils. Freeform, the unit and its allies work together to fight the Camarilla. Aldo journeys across the world to locate the final piece of the first song in the new motherland, Fort Salem. Final season. AMC. Well, hell's coming, and hell's coming with me. It's Tombstone. FX, the Vampire's Mansion gets a makeover on a new What We Do in the Shadows. FXX has a family guy marathon. I'm just skipping the Paramount Network for Tommy Boy, which is better than it has any right to be. Such a good movie. 
Siffy has Now You See Me and Now You See Me 2, which they missed the opportunity to call it what, Flynn? Uh, this movie sucks as well. Uh, yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> See, now it's... And now, you, now you see me now. Oh, that makes sense. TNT's we've got I Ready Player One, me. but we're going to be watching the Lifetime Movie Network because Emma becomes the lucky recipient of a heart transplant and sets out to discover the identity of the donor, but things take a turn when she finds out that the organ belonged to her estranged cousin, who may be a murder victim. Mackenzie Vega, Joanna Newman, and Ben Cotton star in... Pretty little dead girl. The wonderful Billy Flynn looks at what Chad and Abby are up to now. If you know what TV show they're on this week, you could win yourself a prize. It's your further adventures of Chad and Abby update. A ship on its way back to Earth loses its powers and it's just out there drifting. Now Chad's team is charged with trying to save the Earth from a possible alien infection. Dr. Brady joins the team as the expert needed this week to help. Brady just arrived from an adventure on Smuggler's Island. He was researching Red Planet Mars when he got the call about this. He has been a leader ever since being part of the police squad. Hashtag Chad. Forever. You got mail, baby! Hi, geeks. This is about your 17 August episode, Teenagers from Outer Space. Did you know there is a TTRPG by that name? I did not. <laughs> I played it in a couple of sessions back in the 90s with Donna, her husband, as GM, and some other friends. It was fun. I think She-Hulk is more considerate than He-Hulk and would decline to be on top. So maybe not Death by Snoo Snoo or even Compound Fractures. Outs, will you please... Just lie there. Something no woman has ever heard, I imagine. Hey, Rich, I'm really not into horror. I was left feeling helplessly trapped in school for almost a decade, so I agree with your idea of call it scene and don't release it. Oh, I loved your asteroid. You do not have permission to buzz the tower. Your other <laughs> asteroid story about the mysterious metal that splashed down was difficult to tell if it was real or fiction. Interesting. We have never done a fake story that we're aware of. We hey, have done stories that have turned out to be fake, but true. at the time, nope. yeah, they, they were supposed You're to the, happen. We're the safest place in the world on April Fool's Day. Hey, Rich, good reference to cameras capturing souls. I recall many Native Americans worried that shadow catchers would do that. Oh, and I did appreciate the camera puns. The Mark Hamill jack-in-the-box thing sounds like a lot of fun. Good for him. Good job on the last laugh, Rich. Oh, and good job mentioning the titles of other of Bomb's Oz book series, because there's a ton. Stay safe. That is from Bill. Well, Bill, you're getting much, much closer to being called up. In fact, I can't wait to get the email from the future. Ooh. If you think you've got what it takes to make that happen, drop it out to podcast at geekradiodaily.com. Or, of course, a voicemail or text message. Use these magic numbers. 510-G-R-D-Curl. Unlike yesterday's email, I understood every bit of that. This is Travis from twitch.tv slash Travis Tavern Talk, and I'm a writing beast. I write fantasy like the Downfall series and the Portal series, sci-fi like my Silver and Smith and Ethium, and non-fiction like my 27 Thoughts on Life series, all on my live stream. You can find these books and more on Amazon.com or go to bit.ly slash Travis Books. That's bit.ly slash Travis Books. Hey everybody, it's Tony Todd. You're listening to Geek Radio Daily. Stay tuned or drop out. God bless you. Yeah, man. You were awesome in Cop Rock. Awesome. Sir. What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Nonsense. What's out there, sir? LNR TV out. We've got Chicago Fire. Season 10. Chicago Mid. Season 7. 
Paranormal Highway, Season 1. Naomi, the complete series, another way of saying this was canceled after one season. Uh, NCIS Los Angeles, the 13th season. Survivor, Season 42. Naomi gets one. 42? I can't believe it's been around for 42 fucking years. That's so weird, right? In our uh, documentary aisle, we've got Stephen Hawking, unauthorized biography. In our re-release department, Dirty Dancing, the 35th anniversary edition. We've also got the Tarzan Vault Collection. In our movies department, we got County Line. Mr. Malcolm's List. Yeah, but the story of a giant bloodthirsty anthropod going on a killing spree in a sprawling suburban park area where a couple of rangers and a reporter and a mystical Native American warrior have to try and stop it. Sue Lynn Sanchez and Bill Ushler star in Suburban Sasquatch. I'm not wearing any pants. Film at 11. Geek News! Take a look at the world for me. Geeky point. I mean, Sasquatch out there mowing the yard and stuff. Two decades since David E. Kelly's Ally McBeal ended its five-season run on Fox, the Emmy Award-winning legal dramedy is planning a sequel series currently in early development at ABC. Really? I mean, it was a, it was a good show and it all, but... But why? Written and executive produced by Karen Gist of Mike, the new series follows a young black woman who joins the current incarnation of the law firm from the original series. It's believed the character will be the daughter of Lisa Nicole Carson's Renee Rennick from the original. Ah, that makes sense. Ollie McBeal was pretty groundbreaking. That's actually a really good idea. Original series star Calista Flockhart has reportedly been approached to reprise the title role from the original in some capacity, along with executive producing the follow-up. A decision on her potential involvement likely will not be made until a script has been written. Well, if she checks the cost of premiums on Harrison Ford's flight insurance, eh, she's going to need a paycheck. There are no current plans for Kelly to be involved in the sequel, but has apparently given his blessing for the follow-up. And it'll be nice, you know, if the original cast is there to transition to the new cast. Though, it's going to be really weird to see a 20-year-old CGI dancing baby. Command and Conquer Red Alert 3 is, to put it gently, very silly video game. Its plot includes an alternate version of World War II, a plan to travel back in time and assassinate Albert Einstein, a version of Mount Rushmore where the faces shoot lasers from their eyes, and bears train and bears trained for anti-infantry combat. In other words, Tim Curry's acting as the Russian-Soviet Colonel Anatoly Cherdenko was right on the money with the vibe the project was going for. He brought class to that whole stupid game. In Vice's oral history about the making of the Tim Curry meme that the game generated, his co-star in the game, Ivana Milichevic, talked about filming their cutscenes over 10 to 12 hour long work days. To work 10 hours, 11 hours straight is not normally how an actor would work. When you're filming it, you're there by yourself with a wonderful crew of people, but you're just there for hours sitting at a desk. You, after a while, are just trying to have fun with it. You know, you could only visit the craft services table so many times in a day before they start taking it out of your paycheck. It'd be these long takes of them just sitting there reading a teleprompter as lines came up, explained Red Alert 3 assistant editor Joshua Bosch, adding... It was towards the end of the day, and you could kind of tell Curry was tired. He wanted to get out of there. But then that line comes up, and you saw the smile pop onto his face when he read it through first. The first take was that take. And it is straight up magic. His delivery, as you would expect, left the crew in stitches. I think he was aware he was about to break, but 
He finished the take because he knew it could be used, noted Red Alert 3 cinematic editor Stuart Allison. He knew he was doing it brilliantly. Now, there are many ways in which Tim Curry will and has continued throughout the ages. But the meme brings a whole new generation to him. Because for him, it was never about the money. I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. Space! In 2019, Vic McNona, a voice actor whose credits include Dragon Ball Z, RWBY, and Fullmetal Alchemist, was accused of sexual harassment by multiple parties said to stretch back multiple years. Later that same year, he would sue his employer Funimation, who, like Rooster Teeth, fired him following an internal investigation, along with fellow voice actors Monica Rial, Jimmy Marshy, along with Rial's partner Ron Toy. The suit, which was filed in Texas, was dismissed, and he was forced to appeal months later. And now, Mignona has not only lost that appeal, but he may also have to pay extra legal fees to the defendants. Hey, it's almost like there are consequences for actions. Texas's second court of appeals found that the voice actors did not have enough evidence to prove the allegation against him were false or made up with any malice. He's now ordered to pay $250,000 in attorney fees to Funimation, Real, Marshy, and Toy, though that number may end up being even higher because the courts are currently reevaluating what he's going to owe. As someone who has seen how he views his audience at a con, which he views as a target-rich environment... And they're below a certain age. Dude's a creep. Throughout Mignona's legal trouble, the voice actors maintained his innocence, even as multiple voice actors beyond Riala Marchi have spoken out against him. Even so, he hasn't disappeared from the spotlight like several other in his position. He was recently at Houston's Anime Matsuri in late July. I mean, he says that all of this talk is just a bunch of hot air, but dude, voices carry. Cineworld, the world's second largest cinema chain and parent company of Regal Cinemas and Picture House, is reportedly preparing to file for bankruptcy, according to the Wall Street Journal. Did, did they not save any of the 84% markup on concessions? The major exhibitor, which operates 751 branches and 28,000 employees across 10 countries, has reportedly run up a debt of more than $4.8 billion U.S. billion after losses soared while cinemas were shut down during the pandemic. My local theater transitioned to a drive-in by using a projector and the side of the building. Despite the success of several recent blockbuster hits like Top Gun Maverick and Jurassic World Dominion, the company is failing to see a quick enough recovery in movie-going. It is expected to file a Chapter 11 petition in the U.S. and is considering insolvency proceedings in the U.K. Before the pandemic, the company's stock was traded at 197 in the wake of the news, it has fallen to 0. 0.02, according to The Guardian. The company's market value, at one time worth as much as $4.4 billion before the pandemic, is now worth less than $50 million. By the by, they got a $450 million loan plus another $750 million in extra liquidity less than two years ago, so don't feel too bad for them. Whilst the lack of summer blockbusters and the overall audience's shift to streaming platforms is partly to blame... Analysis suggests the company's aggressive acquisition plans did not help. Uh, no. Movie theaters expecting people to just show up and watch the same crap without any sort of experience or magic behind the presentation is what's causing people to look for easier alternatives. This is in stark contrast to the performance of AMC Entertainment, the world's largest cinema group, which has had $12.6 billion market value and recently had its highest monthly attendance in U.S. cinemas, since before the pandemic. 
sometimes, guys, we need to help out corporations, especially ones that provide a service. And entertainment is definitely one. But the corporations need to realize that the pandemic showed that customers have a lot of power in where we use our money. So corporations, if you aren't giving us a good return on our hard-earned money, we'll just give it to somebody else. And I look forward to returning to your theater once it's a Spirit Halloween. Ooh, is that before or after they show the Spirit Halloween movie? <laughs> Definitely after. <laughs> good news, travelers. Garth Maringi is back at it with a newly announced hardcover ebook and audiobook release titled Garth Maringi's Terror Time. If that means nothing to you, I humbly <laughs> yes. request you seek out the early aughts bit of British weirdness that goes by the name of Garth Maringi's Dark Place. Garth Maringi's a horror writer. Most of you will probably know me from my extensive canon of chillers, including Afterbirth, in which a mutated placenta attacks Bristol. Back in the 1980s, I wrote, directed, and starred in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, a television program so radical, so risky, so dangerous, so goddamn crazy, that the so-called powers that be became too scared to show it. So, Maringi is a fictional horror writer. Think of a really, really, really dumb Stephen King, played by Matthew Holness. Of course, he directs and stars despite not having any experience at either, and the resulting show is so bad, it never found an audience and was thought lost in time. In the early 2000s, Garth salvages the 20-year-old footage and finally gives it the release it deserves. Only now, in the worst artistic drought in broadcast history, does the channel come crawling back. Cap in hand and suitably ashamed, asking if your humble fabulist could once more retrieve Dark Place from the boxes in his spacious basement and let it loose on its unsuspecting public. That's you. This is all fictional, of course, and the resulting show is a hilarious spoof of horror TV, soap operas, and uniquely British oddball humor. This is the show that introduced me personally to Richard Iodive from the IT crowd and Matt Berry, currently from what we do in the shadows. I... I got a script and read it. Scared me senseless. And I said to Garth, I looked him straight into his face. I've never been afraid of holding a man's gaze. It's natural. I said, this is going to be the most significant televisual event since Quantum Leap. And I do not say that lightly. Now, we thought we had last seen, uh, you know, the... Now, we thought we had seen the last of Garth Maringi, but the fictional author made a surprise appearance via publisher Hodder and Stoughton's Twitter account to announce a brand new book called Garth Maringi's Terror Tome, which is a real book written by Holness in Marenghi's distinct egotistical voice that will be published November 10th of this year. The plot sounds about as bonkers as you'd expect from the crazed mind that brought you the aforementioned Dark Place. This is the description. When horror writer Nick Steen gets sucked into a cursed typewriter by the terrifying typeface Dark Lord of the Prolix, the hellish visions inside his head are unleashed for real. Forced to fight his escaping imagination, now leaking out of his own brain, Nick must defend the town of Stockford from his own fictional horrors, including a vascular necrosis-obsessed serial killer, Nelson Strain, and Nick's dreaded throppelganger, the Dark Third. <laughs> when I wrote, directed, and starred in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place for television back in the 1980s, I drew deep draughts of inspiration from the dyke of my dreams. Other times, I just copied the plots from dead authors in which work the copyright had lapsed. Can't tell you who the dyke of my dreams is. Holness, 
Holness returning to his characters out of left field and very exciting for diehard fans of Dark Place. Holness has given us some good stuff since getting Garth Marenghi to rest, like the bizarre horror movie Possum. So, seriously, you need to check out the show. If you like absurdist humor, horror, British comedy, or just think the premise is wacky, well, and if you don't, you know, you just may have to answer to Wonton! I understand that you have to get that to get that, but you should get that because that's a really good get right there. Holy right in it. JRD is like the he's not the one who has to answer to Wonton. Comments, attributes, not comments, not rude, recognize the three people like them. Check us on Facebook, Twitter, some other way to get ready to And you now have got to answer to the goddamn Wonton. Bat! You can drop us a note telling us all your experiences with Garth Marenghi and what it did to you. In your oh. psyche by sending a note to podcast at geekradiodaily.com or, of course, a voicemail or text message. Use these nombres. 510-G-R-D-Crap. It introduced the world to Matt Berry. So come on. If it ain't worth it just for that. Right. And Richard Iowa You got it. Come on. Only, it's only game. Why do you have to be mad? Good night, suckers. Damage averted. All systems operative. Don't you see the murderer may have had one already in stolen hours to make the pair. What are you, a detective now, Dr. Hunter? Elise, Officer Knight. Nick. <laughs> they say everything in our future can be found in our past. Pass is the only dead thing that smells sweet. Edward Thomas. <laughs> Do you feel that way too, Nick? No. It's too easy a place to hide. Is that what you think I'm doing? Aren't you? I mean, you're burying your head in books and artifacts and dust. You lock yourself up here and work all night. I like the night. No people. No present. No future. It's my life. My passion. I'm comfortable with it. Don't be. Dwell on yesterday and you have no today and no tomorrow. Another quote? Voice of experience. <laughs> you haven't lived that long. Tomorrow cannot. 